Hello everyone, welcome back to the Green and Mullen Show and this is part two of the interview with Sir John Hall alongside myself, Jonathan Greenwood, and my co-host Sam Mulner. Um, part two is just as explosive as part one in my opinion, Sam, what have the listeners got to look forward to? Modern day, Mike Ashley, Steve Bruce, General, Brackets, Misk. Um, yeah, all sorts, all sorts. It's um, equally as, as as good as part one, if not a little bit better, just to tease you a little bit. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, part two of a wonderful conversation with the Knight of the Realm. I feel like listeners are screaming to us saying, why did he sell to Mike Ashley? Well, we asked the question, and we got an answer, and we do get an interesting answer, and we have to listen to it. But when you listen to his answer, when you listen to him, you can understand why he did it. Um, well, people can make their own minds up, can't exactly. they? Exactly. Of course they can. Um, the, 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 the point is we get an answer to the question. So, I mean, he answers the question. Some people might not like the answer, but he answers it anyway. So, you know, make your own minds up. That's uh, all we can do is ask the questions. So... There's 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 a there's a difference between getting answers to questions that you want to know you need to know and um, berating an eighty eight year old man. So um, we we ask the questions, he answers. Um, yeah, it's it's very interesting. If uh, nothing else, he certainly he certainly made his mind up on the salary bid and Amanda Savy. We go in a bit of detail about that as well. So that's certainly not to be missed. And, you know, I'll give you a little spoiler. The last question I asked him, which I thought was only going to be about two minutes, but it's been about eight minutes, and he was looking at me going, eight minutes, last question. But it was very, very interesting. It's what is his favourite moment as a Newcastle fan and a Newcastle owner? And Sam can remember that moment. I can't. So that maybe a little yeah. bit of it. No, I was very, very young. So uh, very, very young. I would have been, I would have been probably eating a Sunday dinner, which will just be mush, to be honest. So that tells you how young I am. Yeah, yeah. Well, and how old you are? Yeah, slightly, very slightly older. Um, yeah, what a day! And it just capped off a, a wonderful day that we had in the company of Sir John. We we must have been there for nearly three hours. So, I mean, I wish I could share some of the stuff he said off camera, <laughs> but uh, tough. That's for, uh, that's for another. That's for another day. Yeah, um, but yeah, fantastic, and, and what an incredible day! A very full-on day, uh, tiring day, but fantastic nonetheless. And uh, yeah, afterwards we we went and had a bit of dinner down Keyside, didn't we? Lovely. We did, did we? We kind of tricked Mister Mullen, but. Not on purpose. So we decided it would meet, wouldn't have a, would protect, we have to do a video for the members, which if you're not a member of Newcastle Fans TV on YouTube, please become a member because you do get a lot of access behind the scenes in terms of news and stuff that, that is happening. Um, so I would thoroughly recommend it. Um, so we thought, well, we'll go to St. James's because that would make sense. We might see there's a pub nearby. And uh, Lee always has always remembered that Samuel has never been down the quayside. He's been on a stag day in Newcastle. But never been down the quayside. He's just he's been he's been to a couple of bars near the quayside, but that's for um, I think NFTV Extra. I think 
I've been to Newcastle loads of times, obviously, for obvious reasons. Like sometimes not even to watch the football, but never for one reason or another. We've just never, I've never been down Keyside, which is bizarre. And it was, it's absolutely lovely down there. So I was very chuffed to go down there for the first time. Lovely. Yeah, that Bet Victor tent that must have been brilliant back in the day. Oh, that was regarding on my stag do, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. When, um, I went to Northumberland Plate Day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a day was, I think the day was sponsored by Bet Victor or one of these betting firms, but other betting firms are available. Yeah, definitely a great night, I'm sure. Um, I think. Oh, well, actually, no. I'll ask you, Sam. What was the best moment of the of the interview for you? Um, memorable, obviously. <laughs> no, because you, you're asking me to choose one, and it was just such a fantastic day, and can't really, can't really just narrow it down to to one one moment. Really, it was just one of them things that if you'd have asked me, even like this time last year when we'd started doing like some reasonably big interviews, like you, like you're going to be sat into John Paul's front room for a few hours having a crack and uh, a cup of tea and a Kit Kat. It's, I'd just be like, no, that's absolutely crazy. But um, we did it. <laughs> so it was just a, a fantastically memorable day. Yeah, big thanks to someone that a previous Green and Mulliner uh, episode. <coughs> Greg Whelan. <coughs> yeah. Cheers, Greg. Cheers, Greg. Cheers, Greg. <laughs> yeah, well, let's get part two on the road. I think it's about time that the listeners get to hear current day Newcastle. And please leave us some reviews. And if you like what you hear and you want certain people on in the future, we'll try our very best. But this if is part you don't two. like what you hear, just leave a five-star review, please. Oh, there you go. What's not a lose, eh? This is part two of the Greenwood and Mullen show with Sir... John Hall. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we ended up with um, Kenny Dagleach. What were you thinking when? Because okay, we beat Barcelona and we got to an FA Cup final with with Kenny. But what were you thinking when he was sort of dismantling the team that Kevin Keegan had built and bringing in sort of older <laughs> professionals? That that was a period of time, in a sense, when basically the, I was running Cameron Hall and the lads were basically what running thing. But you have to, if you bring a manager in, kind of tell them what to do. If I brought you in and said you're going to buy him, you should get stuffed. No, don't do that. Yeah, that job. You know, so in a sense, you have to you have to believe in the manager you get, and you live with them. I die with them. And unfortunately, some of them basically uh, the, the, the the players they picked, and there were some others other than Kenny in a sense who played the long ball, long ball. Long ball, long ball. <laughs> I just thought myself, this is, this is not football. <clears throat> but I think we tried most of them. And I don't think any of them really, really um, were successful. <clears throat> what is the case of how do you find a good manager? I think we're keeping more lucky, it's one of the times. But after that, how do you find, what do you do? Do you bring young players in and set up? I've got the experience to give them a chance to go for the ones that basically have got a record yet, basically they're only there for a few years. There's no more Alex Ferguson's, you know. But even he was on the ball, on the stage of being sacked. But they kept him on and he, he, he built a team and they're more successful. 
So, you know, how do you find it? It's, I don't know. It's one of those things. Like, it's how do you find a good MD to run your business? That's what you're actually doing. And you pay your money, you take your choice. And you could be lucky or unlucky. And that's, you know, till, <clears throat> it's like, you know, until you marry someone or live them for a long time, you never really get to know them. And basically that's the same with the manager until you really get them there in any any business. And uh, we had some unfortunates basically, who didn't do the club any good and then just with it along and uh, until we sold. Um, but uh, it'd be an interesting life. I said, you know, I didn't never want to run a football team, but uh, I have a tough on my grave. But uh, it was an interesting time. I've, I've had an interesting life. And, you know, standing on the terraces at eight years of age, and shouting, sack the board, sack the board. <laughs> Looking up to that old board. Can you remember the boardroom, the wooden one at the yeah. top? It was, the, 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 it was wooden ones at the top, that was the boardroom. And I was just standing there, sack the board, sack the board. And never thought, basically, I mean, who was one man? Oh, he was. He bought in some players. Um, he's absolutely useless. I've mentioned names. No, but God, the football was appalling. But no, and I uh, to go most matches. Can rain, storm, or whatever. And the dedicated Jordy. Just uh, I used to go to Blackpool. Whenever we played, I played football for Newbigin Bankhouse Club when I was and left the grammar school. And I used to captain East Bournemouth centre half, and um, I played for the Bankhouse Club in Newbigin. Still going that the day, and they used to when Newcastle played Blackpool, they used to get a, a bus trip up, and um, we took come to, for a weekend and come back. It was on the, when there was no motorways, used to go through Chesley Street and Bishop Walkland to get across that way. And I also remember one of the times I went to the Love Dabia. And basically, the new that was a, a lovely pint of beer at the Chesley Street Working Men's Club. We used to stop there and used to go in. I mean, it was a place where there was sawdust on the floor. <laughs> it was it was the pits, but the beer was par excellence. I remember going in one time, and it was uh, and there was a dog on a stool, a whippet, and there was a pint of a true pint of beer on the table, and the whippet had its nose in the beer. <laughs> I said, I've not seen a weapon making beer. I just shook my head and left. And we came on the way back, we stopped there. And I went in basically. And I said, Where's the women? And the wife says, Oh, I died. I said, What's happened? She said, it was drinking Vox's beer. It's <laughs> 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 just the times we had in Blackpool, etc., in the football. And I was just the one, you know, that, that, these were the great times in our own little way. I said, it didn't, we hadn't, we never had to tell her. Particular attention or the what you have to do, the web, etc. etc. We just had to do our own things. But nobody, there was not any health and safety. Well, you did things basically good on my life and we lived. And uh, we did, uh, things have changed. And I, I find differently coming to terms with way society ends today. I don't think there's that responsibility amongst people. Everybody seems to think I've got to be helped, I've got to be helped. And our days, basically, you had to help yourself. You had to fight for yourself, and it, it, it drove you through, etc. It made you, I think, better people. You don't have to depend. Some people, unfortunately, need help, but I think today, too many people in sense are not too determined, not basically interested. And um, we have to change the culture in the Northeast. We have to get more people to start up their own businesses. And I don't know where, where we're going into football. When, when I look at football in the Northeast, I just look at Sunderland, 
between them. They can you destroy them? Yeah. I look at Middlesbrough basically, and that Steve but Gibson's put in so much money to Middlesbrough and basically let down. So the football's up there's a low ebb in the northeast. <coughs> oh, just mixed messages and it's sad because we should have good teams, but I don't so I think the money's here now. But uh, we'll see. At St James's Park, there's the East Stand, the Melbourne Stand, the Gallagher Stand, and the St John Hall Stand. Yeah. How much of an honour is that to have your name at oh. St James's Park? And can you tell us a little bit about how that all happened? No, it was. A, it was a... You all, everyone likes recognition. You know, I think it was. And it was the best thing when the building it was the, not me, it was Douglas and Freddie then who decided to name it. I never asked for it. So basically, but I thought, oh, I'll take it. It's a memory lives on. You know, somebody might change it. It doesn't matter. It's a, at least in a sense of some might ask. And it's like I'm starting. Like the, when you get to my age, you know, the one thing: don't get old. <laughs> and I'm telling you now, age has got nothing going for it. You know, it might be fit and you're strong, etc. But the ravages of age will give you problems in a sense, which slow you down. The body and the mind sometimes, and there's nothing you can do. It's just the age of getting there. Tell me now, and trying to do things. I've lost my train of thought again, sorry. Oh, what was it was saying? You're just talking about this at John Hall's time. Oh, so yeah. And it, it, it was nice to be remembered by the family. And, just, and what I wanted to do, is I'm trying to do now, just write the story of the, the stages, you know, when I went to grammar school and the football team and the Metro Centre and things, just for the family. <clears throat> because what you will find, in effect, in your family, so you can, there will be someone in your family, yet unborn, who will want to know about you. Where would my great granddad from? And the big problem most of us today is we'll let the old people die. We're asking them the questions and we don't have the records. So you have to really start and put basically the records of your families, what you can remember for future generations. You have a responsibility to future generations if you want, because they'll want to know. And it's only right that you do that where you're from and what your background is. So I just want to record it, not for any, but for the future generations and family. It's very, very important. We are inquisitive. Look, look, look at the on the web, basically trace your ancestry, etc. And these, and you can get it made for you today. But you still, your aunts and uncles have a lot of stories which are never going to be recorded, and that's something most of us never do. Do you miss it? I mean, when you when you look at how the club's being run now, um, which is <coughs> kind of very anti-supporter in a way, and the way some kind of Club legends like Kevin and, and Alan Shearer have been treated by the current regime. Do you do you miss it and think, oh, I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done that, they should have done this, they should have done that? You have one lesson in life. I took the money and I sold out to them, and it's their club. I have my own feelings, but I am not going to stand and basically and criticize them away. That's, that's a, I have my own views, etc. But it'll be unfair of me. Taking the money to say, look at what they've done, etc. So that's they're running the club. They will make it fail or make it go forward in their own way. And I have to let them do that. I have my own views as to what I feel, but it would be wrong of me and churlish of me if I sort here criticize them and I've taken my cash. No way. But I have my own feelings. I basically have my own views as to what's happening. And do you, have you ever tried to buy the club back? No. Nope. Never. No. Nope. No, I've I've played my part. I've moved on. And basically, I haven't got, I've got wealth, but I haven't got wealth to basically 
put Newcastle in the position where they need to be today. There's no, there's no local. Look around in the UK. Ask how many local people own their clubs today. In my day, there were lots of them. There's none now, very few. They've gone beyond us. There's not the wealth amongst the business communities. Or if it's there, they're not interested in football and basically pension funds and finance houses. They're not interested in it. But like ourselves, we've all gone. And I would not try to compete today. I don't have the wealth to actually make a success of Newcastle United. And I will not go in to borrow the sums of money which are needed to buy the place. 100 million for one player. Five players, 500 million. Come on, come on. Where are you going to get that cash from? Unless you, it's it's the game. You've got to say that real. The game has gone beyond us. The game has gone in, in in terms of money way beyond anything that I've seen before, or most of us seen before. You've got to get in the minds of these people, the hedge funds, the billionaires, etc., and see actually the Amazons, and they're talking in sums of money. They've got their own game. It's their day, not ours. It's gone beyond us, and it's what we do. How we look at them. But they've got that's where the cash is, and they can now start to control many things. I mean, it's going so much far beyond even like our current owner said a few years ago, didn't he? That he can't compete with the wealth of countries, you can't, there's no way. So, if you were him, is he doing the right thing by selling to a country? Or what I don't understand is, um, he needs to sell. 100%. Matt, I'll be fair on Ashley. When I sold out, I said, why do you want to... I always wanted to globalise Newcastle. But didn't have the resources to have. Wouldn't have time. He says, I want to use... His team told me he wanted to use Newcastle United to help market his goods in the Far East. And I thought, they're going to globalise the game, take Newcastle that way. And that was a, and that, that was something which he, he had another division that he was using the football to help you sort of that was fine, a great idea. Unfortunately, it didn't go that way because things went wrong between uh, Mike and the fans when he brought in Wise and people like that who were not favourites of the fans. And so the, 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 the bond between them started to break away and it's never, never recovered. And I think probably Mike thought to himself, I can't do much here. The fans are never going to trust me, etc. And I, I just want to be out. And the club, he's got the club ticking over financially in a sense. So there's maybe a 10 million a year, but I don't, he's made this, I'm not going back into there. I'm going out. And I think he's made the decision to sell the club. And he's got these people who have got the wealth supposedly to come in. They're there still to play. So he's, he's hoping to fight the battles against the league, etc., to get a decision so they can buy. If he doesn't get that, then he's stuck. He may have to, he still wants to sell the club. He has not, if he's not going to put the cash in, he knows himself that the fans will not stand for that much longer. And the moment he starts losing the fans, people start stopping this thing. He's, he, he, so he'd be looking, if I was in person, I would be looking around for someone to buy. And if, the, if these people go out, I might have to reduce the price to get it sold, but I want to be out. He's got other interests. Like other his family are now coming in to run the other businesses, etc. And it's probably at the point now where he's letting stepping away from it. And he may not have the, he may have sufficient now in business life to satisfy himself. Whereas in the early days, he was building up an empire. Maybe he's got that empire now. But I can only say this for him personally. Every time I met him, I found him easy to get on with. And basically, I did a deal with him. I shook hands with him, etc. And he, 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 I, I, I thought, basically, that what he was planning to do would work. And I, I, I think it would have done had there, had there not been this for He brought in probably the wrong people to the club without realising the sense of the wrong people. And these trials came in and, of course, 
they didn't get on with the fans up here, and it was understandable. So that that's the past. But he's, I reckon his time's finished. Yeah, he wants with, out. With um, it dragging on for so long, this takeover saga that's more than a year now. Why do you think that Amanda Stavely hasn't just gone in with the Ruben brothers? Do you know much of them? And um... no, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I just um, I don't know what's happening with it. But you got I don't know. Have they got? The, have they got the money? It's not just to purchase money. It's the money for the players. You were talking about three hundred million, yeah. plus, plus, plus. So you're going to have to put another two. You need five hundred million. I don't think Amanda Stavely's got that cash. It's the Ruben brothers. How much are they funded? I think nobody wants to take a full kind of money you're talking about. It's probably uh, on the top side of what they're prepared to pay for on their own for putting consortium together and then making it work. But it's all about money numbers. You've got to ask themselves, you know, would they do it? It's all about cash. If the the Saudi step out, who'll come in and take over the club? Who's next? Um, go to Amazon, trying to get Amazon to buy them. You know, get some of the, <laughs> yeah, but you think that scale, it's going to take that kind of, unfortunately today, Money talks, and it always talks, but it talks a hundred million, hundred and fifty. You know, it's crazy, and it's not just the hundreds for two players, three players, four players. And the wages are getting beyond level. There's no control. If you had one bit of advice for any potential new and I'm not just talking about the ones that we've just been talking about, but anybody that wanted to take Newcastle United and take it seriously, what advice would you give them? <clears throat> you've got to have, you've got to have your business plans. And you've got to have the wealth to come in and be ambitious. Not, I suppose, in a sense, <clears throat> you're never going to win the league all the time. But at least, in a sense, you get a rapport with the fans and tell them <clears throat> what you think you can do over what period of time, and the fans will stay with you. But don't come in and say, basically, you're going to do this, that, and the other, and not deliver. Just be a real, have a sense of realism and look at the game today as it is to where it's going. I think you're coming, you've got to say, Dale, which way is it going, basically, what can we do? You can build a successful club in Newcastle. There's no argument. The fan base is there, which gives them one point, but the fans' money is not the whole being of the game. It's other things. But if you win, you get into the top leagues, you get into the money game, etc. And there will be, basically, bigger leagues, in my view, in the future, if we don't control them. So you've got to come in with an ambition and set your target out. So if there is the super leagues, etc., etc., and you have to go on them, then you're there to go in. And people want you to go in. At this moment in time, we're not big enough to go in. There's no, you know, we're not, to those people out there, <clears throat> there's not the ambition on Newcastle to be in the Civil Leagues. And we'll never be in, we'll never be asked, in my view, until actually we raise the profile of Newcastle. A hell of a lot. But that's interesting. But to be fair on Mike, <clears throat> he came in, it hasn't worked out, he's realised that. But he did come in with the right intentions. I had long chats with them, his team, and I thought that's I could never globalize it. He can do it because he had this image. <clears throat> I'm just a local lad, basically, you know, basically but uh, and they they now talk about the global scale. They're buying abroad at certain their goods, so they have the contacts, and it just didn't work out for him. And I think it'd be the right thing for him now, and he realizes is to move on. Absolutely. Um, is Steve Bruce the right man to lead the team at the moment? <clears throat> oh, he's, uh, I've known him a long time. I've known him a long time, and basically, I've never, I've never criticised managers, but I think it's, I think probably, I don't know if he's, if he hasn't, you know, if you haven't got the players, you're not going anywhere. 
you know. And uh, some of the players we've got are useless. I keep wondering how, how some of them basically were, I were paid £40 million pounds for one player. You could ask, <laughs> uh, uh, if I was I'm asking where the money went, because in a sense it's, it's, it just hasn't worked out. Um, Steve's his own master. He'll know basically Kenny Rood in the club or not. I'll say, oh, is he on a time limit now? Uh, but he's there. I don't think actually he's going to change anybody in midstream at this moment in time. He's there for good or ill. And um, he's going to have to work it. But unfortunately, if we're going to get no players in, we're always going to be on the, at the bottom fighting relegation. And Steve's going to have to take the blame for that. He's going to have to take all the slangy matches for that. If he doesn't, if he, can't miss, if he hasn't got the players, he can do very little. And if you're not getting 10 million, you're not, you can get your loan players and all the rest of it. And then you're always going to struggle, you know, and that's the sort of thing. You're not getting to win things, even to get the middle of the table. He did much better at the end of the season than we were, what he would do, being up where we are. But it, it's been, it was a long, long battle and a long fight. And I think many times I thought we were going to be candidates for relegation. I don't want to see us in that situation again. It's, what shall I say, it destroys you as a fan. It's, you sort of get, oh, not again. You lose the interesting you go again because we're loyal, but we need to basically have some hope somewhere. And you've got to hope that this, whatever our feelings about the Saudis are, we've got to hope in the fact that the deal can go through. I don't know where the problem lies and whether the Premier League is trying to stop the Saudis coming in because of the streaming of the matches abroad by one of their companies. I don't know. It's a much bigger situation. I just sit here as a fan and my own views. I don't interfere. It's their business. It's easy to criticise, but then you've got to step in and see what you're going to do. And it's all about today getting the players to... He, Steve's got to keep the team up. He has to. Because if he doesn't, and we'll go down, it's a very difficult job getting back home again. So, come what may, this, this next season, in my view, has to be basically where it has to happen or not at all. It will determine the future of the club this next season. If um, if we don't get any players in, if the deals don't go through, and Mike's not prepared to put the reaction again, he's then got to look for somebody else to buy. And uh, be interesting. There's always somebody that'll buy you at a price. It's a case of when the seller and the buyer get together. This moment in time, you've got somebody. But if Mike, there might be nobody three hundred million. They might want to come much lower because it's going to take a lot of cash to stabilise the club. But um, Put yourselves in a position as purchasers. What do you want to do and how much money do you need? What, what do you, where, where would you want to take the club? You know, just be middle of the table or challenge again. And yet there's some clubs that are challenging. I mean, who was it? Um, Crystal Palace? Yeah, they're, they're, with what? They're, they're, they're basically, I don't know how Leicester City's been up there so long, but they're basically still there. So it can be done. And just in effect, I think there's that malaise over the club which is hasn't gone away. Once it goes, then you can you can get success very quickly, you know, just with someone someone determined. But I think about I think Mike's done his part. And um he's run a successful club financially for a lot of years. And then we're waiting about ten million a year, which is financially good. Um, but it's scarcely now how we go to the next stage. I think that's gonna be a very important twelve months and the two players for me myself, Sam and Lee behind the camera who are really, really excited watching is Alan St. Maximum and Callum Wilson. They've got to stay fit for Newcastle to stay up, haven't they? Oh, Maximum, brilliant. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> they're, 
<clears throat> affected Bursley. But um, we're going to get the ball in the back of that net. I look at what's his name, the American, um, came from America. Um, Almiron. Yeah. At times I'm just wondering about he's fast, <clears throat> but he's not, I don't know, he's trying to you know, put the ball in the back of the net sufficient. As a forward, you've got to, you've got, if you don't score, the club suffers. But you've got to get the ball. They played some decent football at times. They took some of the other games. I thought, oh, yeah, it's there. But um, but I said I was very surprised at where the position what were quite well up the league in a sense. After all that hassle and trouble, we're way beyond relegation. <laughs> so, but I'd like to see them basically not being that bottom part. <coughs> it's not good psychologically for any of us. No, it's not. Um, could I? Debunk a few uh, urban legends. Um, two stories I, um, I constantly see go round on the internet. The first one being, was Alex Ferguson ever offered the Newcastle manager's job? And the second one is, could we have signed Zinedine Zidane? I can't remember. If it was based on manager, it would be done by Freddie and Freddie and Douglas. I, I think, I can't remember... I'm not quite certain. I, I could never see Alex coming to us, you know, mm. from Man United. He might have used us to get to, but we're quite honest. I, I honestly can't remember at the time. I said, I, I just, I've been asked this before, but my memory's gone on that. And I think it might have been behind the scenes that they were talking to him at Tetan when we for Man United, would you come at Tetan Tetan? And he probably used us against Man United to hear these fellas want us, you know. I don't think I don't think it's real, realistic to uh, think that Alex would come to Newcastle. Mm. And finally, I think what has been the best moment that you've seen as a Newcastle United fan and as owner? <clears throat> well, the match that sticks out was the five-zero Man United. That was one game which always remains the, the football we played was superb. Superb and the goals. I mean, Janola's going bang. Even Albez, Lobo, the, the, the moments to remember. And that was the game which I always remember. Um, I'll always remember the, the game at Grimsby when we won 2 0 and uh, we got promotion. But I always remember basically as a fan, as owner, the victory parade when we got promotion. When we basically went from Grussell Park to Newcastle and the double decker bus and the fans everywhere. And basically, the, the 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 joy in the faces, etc., that we've achieved something. They're the sort of memories that stick out. There's um, lots of moments at time, but they're the should I say they're the Marseille game. You know, that that's probably the Man United game was the one that stays up for me. And uh, the victory parade, the Shearer moment coming. And there's so many actually. And even with the fans, I told the, the times I met the fans, and there's other stories. There's so many, in effect, memories, everything. I never really thought, you know, as a national, I would own a football team. It was impossible when you're from my background, a pit village, seven railway row, North Eaton Colliery, Nettie's, knee hot water, and things like that. And we used to go and just Newcastle fans. Passionate fans. That's all we talked about. We used to get the morning, on Monday morning, get the paper. <clears throat> and even when I worked as a, in the pits as a mining surveyor, I always remember going down and going in by and sitting at the deputy's kiss to have a sandwich. And on Monday morning, I all had the journal out reading. Did you see that? What happened? We went to the club. 
but they're just, they're just they live the life in the football club. And I said before, that's something in the sense that I couldn't understand. It took me a long, long time to understand, realize that because I had my businesses, I was fully occupied, etc. But this football team that gave me a hell of a responsibility for their lives, for their families, when they name the family of the players. <laughs> so it, it's it's a whole list of things. I just wish we could have delivered more. I wish we could have put into place the ideas I had for the academies. I wanted to root Newcastle United into the community more, but use it. We can still use it today. <clears throat> we can set up big, big academies, soccer, rugby, and all the rest of it. Even BMX bikes. You know, when you look at it, why, the, why can't we now create a, a major one up here? A major base up here for, to get um, stars in the future. And these are things, but look at sport. But I haven't got enough time until I find, but and I've got the ideas. I'm trying to push Ashing this moment in time. And um, I wanted to build as part of a new housing estate, big, call it Bilburn Park. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh, I've had a wonderful life in Newcastle, wonderful time. I've traveled the world, met lots of nice people, and uh, it's an experience. Um, anyways, but just I reached the point where I couldn't compete, and it was a difficult decision because in the family business, Douglas and Freddie, wow, they gave me a tough time when I said I was selling. But I, had to, I couldn't compete. I was not going to put millions in and destroy the family business. So I built up. The family business came first. The football team was second. Well, I think he, I think the video of Hawaii five nil. When you cast Hawaii, 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 Hawaii. Hawaii, I'm thinking, I don't know why I was thinking. Like there was Hawaii, that Hawaii. one, and there was um, Seventh Heaven as well, Seven the Tottenham yes. 7 1. Yeah. That was a video <laughs> as well. And it was 5 0 that I remember. Yeah. That was the best. The football. That was the, the, yeah. But Hawaii 5 0. I've got it here. I'm going to try to put it on a disc and for the future. So I'm putting a memorabilia together, <clears throat> and I've got a, um, a wonderful. A painting of Kevin, which I bought at an auction. Still, my grandson's got. He kept it. Mark, he's we've got our box, and he's the fanatic in the corner of the box. He's the one, and he's kept it with Kevin and um, somebody else, and I think it's Shearer. But uh, no other story. It, it's you got to pinch yourself, pinch yourself, to realise the sense you own Newcastle United. And it's, it's like a dream at times, you know. A national lad, basically, standing on the, 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 the popular side. You'll not remember the popular, but your granddad's will. <clears throat> and it was just a mud bank like that with sleepers on to keep it up. And at the back was this sleepers on end with a plank of wood. It was a retaining wall, plank of wood on the top, six inches wide. <clears throat> and you got on there, and you used to go in early, because if you didn't, the roller across your heads, you know, to the front. But you get on there and you stand there and you watch, you see the whole game. Sack the board, sack the board. <laughs> <laughs> Shout with the fans. Uh, wonderful times and basically, but my time, Bobby Mitchell, basically, Morgan and McDonald. Oh, it's great days. Every era had a time. Hmm. And now you, you live it and then you move on and then somebody else has time. I looked at this one place, I don't even know, I can't remember the names, you know. But just, that was my time in the sense that just I just wish for the club what every fan wishes for, and that is some f element of 
what's it to say for it to be solid again for it to be basically there and not have the problems that we've got now basically just to feel in a sense it's our club again and and find someone who can actually be with us and carry the through the team through to realize our dreams because our dreams are their dreams we have more of them than new owner coming in and then but we're here it's our passion and I was wishing in a sense we could get that that solidarity again and move on and uh, it'll be great hopefully in my lifetime before they put me in a box from here I might say basically you know just winning some games near the top of the league <coughs> and um, we won't be shouting sack the board how are the lads but uh, a wonderful time wonderful experience a wonderful club and a wonderful area and uh, I say again just basically get your memories down on paper from your aunts and uncles on your foot write your stories now about your football and I said to you, I've just done the book on the Mac by group. As to, I haven't, I haven't done it yet, but I thought that all the lads that helped me take over the club, we should have done years ago, but we're doing it now. Each of them have done basically a couple of pages. That What they did at that time, Malcolm Dickinson, John Woff, and all of them, Alan Roney, and I put in a little book, I'm having it published now, the Battle for Newcastle United, the Magpie Group, the Battle for Newcastle United, and the date. And inside the photographs and that story. So they can then take them for their family in the future. Super. That would be fantastic. Well, thanks again. My pleasure. So, John, it's been an absolute honour, an absolute pleasure to talk to you and have a, even just the smallest insight what was going on at Newcastle United in a very, very <coughs> good era in the modern era. Um, we're very, very honoured to have a chat for you. I just, I'm, like, I'm a fan now. Basically, <laughs> I don't, that's, uh, I've got my box, <clears throat> we'll go there and uh, hand the ten out. I, I, I give a few tickets away to, for prizes to some fans and I take some of the fans now and then and we'll kind of get, you know, uh, I'm trying to come. Oh, I, mean, <laughs> I used to basically, when I was on the club and I had my box, there was one or two of them used to stand downstairs every match. They never had any money, but they were, they were shall I say, they were unemployed and things. And I used to, and, and a, a lady who was sort of plumpish, and she was there, and, and there was another lad. And every match, and they used to go there, they couldn't get in, but the student learned. So I said, Come on upstairs. <laughs> and I'll take oh, and they sit there in the box in the front and watch the match. The, the, the joy in their faces. And it's, it's about us. It's about us. We're just ordinary people. We should never have forgotten that. Never forget your roots. Thanks again. Sam, where can everybody listen to this podcast? Uh, available on all podcast apps. New episodes released every Tuesday. Myself, Jonathan Green, Sam Milner, and the former Newcastle United owner, Sir John Hall. We'll see you all very, very soon.